Well, good morning. So glad the Thelans could be with us today. And in case I forget to say it later, this morning I was looking around for some stuff, and I was in the kitchen, and I saw a whole bunch of cookies. So make sure you stick around for the reception afterwards, and don't eat any cookies, because uh, the youth group will get them if you don't. <laughs> yeah, so eat the cookies, and uh, that'd be great. So I hope you can stick around for that. We want to just pause for just a second. So we're just going to stop, take a breath, ready, let's go in and out. Okay, so just relax for a second and have a family moment. Um, Phyllis Droz did pass away um, this past week, and we have a service coming up on Friday. Uh, the 10 o'clock viewing will be here, so that's not up there because there's so much, so much information you can put on a slide, but everything, the viewing will be here, the service will be here, there's a private graveside, and following that, there'll be lunch at the silo, and so um, let's pray for the, for the Droz family. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for um, Phyllis's life and her legacy and the impact that she made. And Lord, I pray that you would be the Prince of Peace to the Droz family as they um, negotiate life now. And Lord, I pray that you would walk with them and give them peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I pray that you be the God and Father of all comfort to them so that when they are tired, um, Lord, that you would give them strength. When they have hard decisions to make, you would give them wisdom. When they, uh, when they just need your help, Lord, that you would show up for them and walk with them. Lord, for us, I pray that we would see your glory anew in this text. Lord, I pray that as we open this uh, book that you would, you would meet us in it. Lord, stand in front of me while I'm in front of them talk over me while I talk to them. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, question. How many of you got through the book of Colossians this week? Put that hand up real high if you got all the way through the book of Colossians. Very good. Audio books count. Uh, reading it counts. So, I'm going to ask that every week for the next 12 weeks while we work through the book of Colossians. How many of us got through the book of Colossians? So the thing we're going to look at today is how to pray, and we'll look at how Paul prayed for them and how we can pray for each other. And so I have three pictures to kind of to remind us what it says about prayer here. So we're going to pray that they would get saved, that um, they would understand the gospel and that they would live worthily. So saved, understand, live is kind of the idea of what we're going to pray for people. We're working through, as I said, the book of Colossians, and the Apostle Paul wants us to think of ourselves as whole people in a way that uh, our beliefs get deeper and better. And so there's a lot of rich theology here, which is truth about God. There's also a lot of um, 
how to behave. So the idea was, I hope we can walk away from Colossians with better beliefs and also better behavior. So more fruitful behavior. So I hope we're growing and maturing in both ways, that the gospel would inform what we think and the gospel would inform what we do as we grow as whole people. So here we are in Colossians chapter 1. Last week we introduced the book, and so this week we're kind of delving in to the next paragraph. So chapter 1, verse 9. And so from the day we heard, that is that they uh, were saved, they're, they're a church there, as Epaphras reports back to them. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to, what's that next word? Pray. pray. So remember we said that's what we're going to talk about today is how to pray for other people. And you could pray that for yourself as well, but the Apostle Paul was praying this for them, so I thought you'd, this would be a good time to talk about how to pray for other people. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking, that's another praying word. Now here's the first uh, big request that the Apostle Paul has, asking that you be filled with the knowledge of his will. So this is really, really probably oversimplistic, but I'm just going to point out what you can obviously see in the text, but which if we're reading fast, we can just slip past or read past or read over. What's the Apostle Paul praying? He's praying that they be filled from the outside. So he's not praying that they will have the stillness to look inside their heart and find the knowledge that is already in them. He's praying that God, from the outside, so this represents God, would fill them with the knowledge of his will. He's praying that God would do something for them specific and that God would give them spiritual knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. That's the next phrase here. Spiritual wisdom and understanding. So he's praying for knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. This is going to come, he's praying, from the outside. That this was something that God would do for them. That it would affect what they believe, what they know. It would, they'd have better, more accurate beliefs and knowledge because God pours this into them. Now, where do you think this is going to go? What do you think this should lead to? What do you think better knowledge should lead to? So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Where should that knowledge lead? It should lead to behavior. It should lead to living worthily. It should lead to changing the way we live. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. So what we're going to see now, in, as we read the text, these are not the points of the sermon. I've got so many points today, you're not even going to believe it. <laughs> Is we're going to see four ING words after the word fully pleasing, which explain what it means to walk worthily. So I have them numbered for you up there. But like I say, we have like 47 points today, so it's really going to drive you crazy. It drives me crazy, but I can't reduce it any further. So here we go. So this is what it means to walk worthily. And if you can't read that because it's too small, there's a tiny little one up here. So this is the first, first explanation of what it means to walk worthily, that you'd be bearing fruit. 
So remember what he said. He said, I'm praying that God would fill you with supernatural knowledge, that you, you would understand in a spiritual way the truth of the gospel. And so where should that lead? That should lead to fruit. That should lead to life change. That should lead to the fruit of good works. So bearing fruit in every good work and then as you do that, you will also then increase in the knowledge of God. So it's kind of like, I, I use this analogy before, but it's kind of like when you really do your work well. And I think you would attest to this, those of you that are especially in skilled labor. When you really do your work well, you learn something that will help you the next time you've got to do your work well again. It's not that you can either work or learn. It's that when you're working, you are learning. And when you're learning, that helps you work better next time. You see how they're related? So when we're obedient one time, it helps us know more about God. And the more we know more about God, it will help us in our obedience next time. So number one, Paul prays that they would bear fruit in every good work. Number two, that they would increase in the knowledge of God. Number three, this is how they will live worthily. So this is how they will bear fruit. It's how they will stay disciplined and grow in knowledge that God will give them, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. This is going to come from beyond them. It is something that God will give them. It is supernatural strength for obedience specifically for endurance and patience for all endurance and patience with joy endurance hey hey look at me you ever go through something really hard a really 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 hard circumstance where it's hard to bear fruit where it's hard to be faithful where you just want to quit and give up and sin the apostle paul is praying that god would give you all endurance through the the glory of his might that he would pour into you supernatural strength for those incredibly impossible circumstances that's endurance and ever deal with impossible people people that were really really hard people that just made you want to quit or made you want to hate people that you'd love to hate that's patience that he would give you supernatural patience so you would be, you'd be able to love and bear fruit and serve in incredibly difficult circumstances. That's endurance. With incredibly difficult people, that's patience. Now the last two words. With joy. With joy. Don't you want that? I want that. So, number one, how do we live worthily? Number one, this is what he's praying for us, that we bear fruit in every good work and increase in, now, in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to God the Father. So this is the fourth I-N-G word here that helps us know how to live worthily. It's giving thanks to God the Father. And now it's like this, Paul just 
he's just going to talk about the gospel for a second. It's like we, we've been praying, and now we just kind of, I don't know if it's subconscious or if it's conscious or if it's just straight up the Holy Spirit. I, I don't know, but he just says, I just got to just stop and talk about the gospel because this is what we give thanks for. So giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. There's so much there, I could spend two days just on that, just on that uh, passage. But let's talk about what the inheritance is. So all throughout the Old Testament, the inheritance was the land. Think of this. Here he is talking to Gentiles who grew up in the darkness of sin, Slaves to evil powers, just uh, totally outside. And the Apostle Paul says to them that they are now qualified to share in the inheritance. Wow, that, that would be mind-blowing for them. And he's qualified you to share in the inheritance. Because you are in Christ, which means he made you his. Think of this. He's saying to them, like I'm saying to you, God made you a saint. What it means to be a saint is that he set you apart. He set you apart in Christ. That's because he called you. Like of all the people he could have called, he called you. He justified you. He made it just as though you had never sinned. And he made you his. That means he sanctified you. He set you apart to himself. And he is remaking you in the likeness of Christ. He has adopted us. He took the initiative. He called you. He justified you. He sanctified you. He said, you are mine. Now you're like, dude, I am so not worthy of that. Well, he qualified you. You ever transfer money, maybe from your savings account to your checking account, from your checking account to your savings account? You ever transfer money? Well, think of this. We believe in what the Reformers called alien righteousness. Now, that doesn't mean it came in on a UFO, but it means that it came from outside us. That God transferred our sin to his account. And he transferred his righteousness to our account. He qualified you. He qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Why do we give thanks? We give thanks because he adopted us. He took the initiative. He qualified us to share in the inheritance of saints and light. And he's not done. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Now, when you think of the domain of darkness, what do you think of? Well, they would have thought of the time they spent in Egypt when they were not in charge, when they were slaves. They're under the domain of Pharaoh. Or they would have thought of the, being in the domain of the Babylonians when they were exiles. Or they would have thought of the domain of darkness like the dark powers that were more in control of their life than they were. You know, this is the same, same two words that Jesus uses in Luke chapter 22. 
when Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and Judas leads the chief priests, well, the, the religious elite, the chief priests and the scribes and the Roman soldiers into the garden and the disciples are like, we've got to do something. And they start swinging swords and Malchus gets his ear cut off and Jesus says no more of that and puts Malchus's ear back on. And Jesus says to the chief priests, you know, I was with you every day in the temple courts and you could have arrested me then. And then Jesus says, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Saying, this is your hour and I'm going to let the powers of darkness do their worst to me. How do we get delivered from the power of darkness? Because Jesus took our place and let the power of darkness do its worst to him so that we could be utterly and totally delivered. I was talking with the sermon discussion group about, about what it means that we're delivered from the power of darkness and I think it was Cheyenne said, I don't know if everybody believes they've been delivered. I think some people think darkness is still in charge. Man, you've been delivered. You've been delivered. That's not in charge of you. You can go free. You are free. It's kind of like when Abraham Lincoln did the Emancipation Proclamation and not only that, the North won the Civil War, but they were still slaves in the South, living as slaves because no one told them that the North had won, and no one told them about the Emancipation Proclamation, and no one told them any of it. They were still living as slaves. They just didn't know. Jesus has won the victory. Don't live as a slave to the powers of darkness anymore. You've been delivered. And transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And how do we have redemption? Well, because he paid, he paid the slave price. He gave his life as a ransom for many. So he forgive all of our sins. He transferred us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. An ancient Jewish historian was writing for the Romans. His name was Josephus. And he wrote about how one of the great Babylonian kings transferred a group of people from one region to another. Like, can you imagine that? The, the word come, comes down from on high that the great king in Babylon has decided that you're going to move from one region to a different region. Can you imagine that? So you have to get up and you have to pack up all your stuff, whatever stuff you can take, and, and you got to move. God, the great king, has transferred you from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. So you're in, the darkness is not... The demonic forces, the evil forces are not in charge of you anymore. But you're in the kingdom of the beloved son because he said so. He has transferred you 
to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God adopted us, God delivered us, and God transferred us. This, listen, okay, so God adopted us, God transferred us, or God delivered us, God transferred us. How many of those are instructions? None. None. This is what God has done for you. That's why this is gospel. This is good news that God has done for you. How many of those are a plan? Like if you want God to like you, what you really need to do is follow these six steps or obey these rules. How many of those are instructions or a plan to get God to like you? None. Man, this is just the truth. These are all in the past tense. He transferred you. He did it. He is active. You are passive. He did it. He delivered you. He adopted you. Like, he sanctified you. He chose you. It's something he did for you. This is something you receive. It's something you believe, and then you align your life with. So, what should we do? So what should we do? Well, I think where we started is we saw Paul praying for them based on this truth. And so I think we should pray for people we love based on this truth. And I think we should start by asking that God would adopt, deliver, and transfer them. Like, what else is there? Isn't that where it starts, that God would do this for them? That God would save them? That God would deliver them from the evil powers? That God would transfer them to the kingdom of his beloved son? Isn't that it? Who are you praying for right now that God would save them? You know, I think we might have people in our lives that were like, I just don't know if God will or if God can. I don't know if he will or I don't know if he can. Like, it seems like they're too far gone, or they're too against them, or they're too this or too that. And who are you to tell God what he can and can't do? If he can save you, he can save them. Who are you to tell them God can't adopt them, or God can't deliver them, or God can't transfer them? How do you know he won't? He might you could ask, ask, ask that God would adopt, deliver, and transfer them. Number two, ask that God would help them know what to do. Like, isn't that the bottom line of this prayer that the Apostle Paul prays? So he says in verse 9, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Like, so this is why we poured water in the cup, that God, from the outside, would give them the knowledge of his will, that that would be a supernatural thing, that God would tell them what to do. And I think, I think this is such a good thing, because it kind of assumes that God knows what they should do, and it assumes kind of that I don't. Sometimes, sometimes we have this idea that we know exactly what they should do. And Paul isn't like, 
God, help them decide to A, B, C, and D. He's like, God, you tell them what they need to do because there's more going on than I know. I'm just going to say this. This is kind of reckless. You know, maybe I shouldn't say this. Maybe it's too, too much, but... Yeah, now I got to, right? <laughs> the older my kids get, the more I understand this. Right? Like, God, tell them what to do. You, you know what they should do. Like, Nathan has strong opinions about what they should do. <laughs> Believe me. But i got to follow Paul's example here and pray that God would show them what to do. That God would reveal, because there's stuff going on in their lives that I don't know about. I'm sure there is. There's stuff going on in your life that I don't know about. And I just pray that God would show them what to do and show you what to do. That that would come from God, not from me. So we're going to pray that God would adopt them, deliver them, transfer them. We're going to pray that God would help them know what to do. And then, this is almost insultingly simple, but it's, it's true that we're going to pray that God would help them do it. Because knowing what to do is not the end of the matter. You've you got to follow through. And that's harder than it sounds. And that's what the Apostle Paul is praying for them in verse 10 when he says, And so, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks. That God would actually help them follow through and do it. That God would help you follow through and do what he's telling you to do. This is Paul's bottom line for them, that they would know the will of God, and that they would do the will of God. So this is my prayer for you, and I hope this is your prayer for them, that they would understand, receive the gospel, that they would know more about God, and that they would act on what they know. So before the worship team comes, I'd like to pray this for you. I mean, we've been looking at Paul's prayer for them. I'd like to pray this for you. And as you're thinking of how you'd pray it for other people. Lord, the first thing that I ask for my friends here is that if there's any outside of Christ, Lord, that you would personally call them. Lord, that you would help them surrender to your saving, forgiving grace. That you would help them Trust that you will wash all their sins away and give them your right with Godness so they can be fully and finally right with you and have an inheritance in heaven. 
Help them surrender to your saving grace by the power of your spirit. Overcome their fears, their doubts, their pride. Overcome all all of it and help them surrender to you. Lord, then, whatever they're facing, whatever crossroads they're at, whatever hard decision they're in the middle of, whatever confusing mess they're in, I pray that you would give them the knowledge that only comes from you, understanding that only comes from you, wisdom that only comes from you. God, I pray that you would give them the grace of knowing your will. And then, Lord, I pray, I pray that you would give them the power to follow through and do what you're telling them to do. Lord, I pray that you give them endurance in impossible situations. I pray that you give them patience with impossible people. And Lord, I pray that you give them joy in all of it. May our joy give you glory this week. Because we know we're saved, we're receiving your knowledge, and we're putting it into practice. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.